Hello and welcome to this episode of the coaching podcast from British Canoeing. Hello everyone and welcome to a special episode of the coaching podcast from British Canoeing. My name is Ben Woodruff and I'm the e-learning and digital developer at British Canoeing. As you know, we currently have three mini-series ongoing with Pete, Lee and Sid. But today we have a separate episode talking about something very current in both the world of paddling and overall. We're going to be discussing mental health and its impact on the return to paddling. Currently, one in four people experience various mental health issues in the UK annually, with COVID-19 and our three lockdowns having further negative impact on our mental well-being as a nation. Today, we'll be discussing mental health, how we can highlight moving forward, looking at supporting people as they return to paddle sport, and how we can develop strategies to help with anxiety, stress and other feelings, among other things, in the return to the water. Before we start, just a pre-warning, on this podcast we will be discussing some sensitive subjects around the topic of mental health today, with some things that may be triggers for those suffering mental health conditions. It's an important conversation that's becoming more and more pertinent, but please only listen if you can. So I'm extremely pleased to be joined today by Darren Clarkson. Thank you for your time, Darren. Hello, everybody. Hey, Ben. Uh, yeah, lovely. Thank you. So I'm really pleased we got this podcast organised, Aaron. Um, your experience and reputation is, is absolutely fascinating to me and so beneficial for our chat today. So um, I, I could try and introduce you, but I don't think I'd do it justice to our listeners. Um, so for those that don't know you, could you please introduce yourself for us today? Yeah, so Darren Clarkson. Uh, I'm a whitewater kayaker, principally expedition kayaker. spent two decades approximately in the Himalayas, kayaking uh, rivers from Everest, rivers from K2, first descents in India, Nepal, Pakistan, uh, Bhutan, Tibet, and uh, helped write the Whitewater Guide to Nepal, the Whitewater Guide to Ladakh. Yeah, I live in North Wales when I'm back in, uh, back in the UK and do quite a lot of kayaking. Uh, that's me in a nutshell, but on the on the other side of me, rather than just sounding like somebody that kayaks all the time, uh, I work in social services and I work with people uh, with mental health issues. Uh, and myself, I've been diagnosed with PTSD. So I'm speaking from a place that's, per that's quite personal to me. I'm not saying I'm a specialist in this subject. Uh, there are people and resources that you can go to that are way more qualified than me uh, and you know, I'd urge people to do that. But I just want to speak about things that, as coaches, as river users, as people that run activities, that we can sort of work towards and uh, maybe expand our knowledge a little bit and, and make people feel like welcoming again when they come back into paddle spot. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and like I said earlier, thank you very much. We're really grateful for you to come on and, and have a really open conversation about this. I know that it will benefit a lot of coaches in the return to water as different paddlers may be experiencing different emotions, be that positive or negative um, or a mixture of both. So it's, it's really good that we've got you on to have this conversation today. So to start with, um, I'm going to pose a question and we'll have a little discussion about it. Um, and it's how can coaches and providers support people in their return to paddle sports? Uh, that's a really good question. It's a question that up until recently we didn't really think about. Uh, obviously, we didn't have the return to paddle sport bit in a, in a question like that. But we also didn't really acknowledge people may have difficulties uh, that providers and coaches can't see. Now, 
for me personally, I've seen this work. And I think it's a really simple phrase where we just say space reduces pressure. Now, we've all been on courses, we've all been at clubs, we've all been with peers where people congregate around the, the head guide or the head coach or whoever that may be, and they congregate and it can be quite stifling. And we quite often as, as river leaders or as leaders of session, we wave our arms and we get people to come closer. You know, we come here, come here, come here. I want to brief you all. Now, some people are not, not okay with that. They're not okay, especially with returning back into groups type sessions after periods of isolation. Being asked to come back into a group can be quite nerve wracking for people. So space, space will reduce pressure. And these are just ideas really, and I'm sure we can all work and adapt these to, to our personal needs. It may be easier for the leader of those sessions to walk around uh, individual cars or individual people sat on the bank to brief or debrief rather than getting everyone together in one, in one area at the start of a session, because people may be uneasy. Also, I think as people return to paddle sport in a more organised way, we have to give ourselves more time. Whereas before we maybe give ourselves 20 minutes or half an hour to unload a trailer, get the boats ready before people arrive, we may need to have much more time now to space those, uh, the equipment out to maybe disinfect the equipment. Some people are going to be emailing or calling the, the providers and the coaches asking what what sort of issues are being covered you know how are we safeguarding against you know transmission or space or people and i've seen this work i've seen people storyboard it provides and coaches go out on the river by themselves and they storyboard the beginning of that session taking photographs maybe video it and explain the boat will be here Maybe going so far as to email each participant, going, if they're, especially if they're hiring boats, your boat will be the red boat. I have just disinfected this red boat. And having it spaced on the bank so that it's spaced out and everyone's spread out. And people, if they want to move closer together, people will do that naturally. But some people don't want that and they want to be a little bit of distance uh, while still being part of the group. So that's really important. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, um, one thing I thought of when you were speaking and was actually we've been in, in COVID regulations for over a year now. It's only natural that we've learned to distance from people naturally. And so it then feels a little bit strange when we're allowed to stand closer to people upon a return to sport. Um, and like you said, some people will get anxious being in big groups in that stage. And it's just um, being adaptable. Um, is, is going to be really key for the coaches and, and leaders that are about. So obviously you've alluded to it so far um, about the new methods, the storyboarding of sessions. Can you think of sort of any other new methods yeah, that I mean, coaches could use in their return? And it's potentially a good way to expand their repertoire as yeah, well. Definitely. And these are things that, that I've seen work. These are things that I've been using in my line of work outside paddle sport. I think for a lot of providers, coaches, people leading sessions we're so used to pre-covid sort of policies in that maybe the organizations we work for or our personal paddling and coaching 
we're so used to those policies that we've maybe we don't sit and pause for a bit uh, and sit back. One of the things that really works is to ask people that are coming on the session in private, maybe a phone call, maybe an email, ask them what it is that the provider can give to allow the participants to enjoy to the fullest. And that may be different for everyone. You know, it may be people that people feel claustrophobic, even putting on a PFD. I've seen that happen, that people that are, you know, paddlers for a long time that go back onto the onto the water and they feel restricted by it. They maybe feel a little bit claustrophobic putting on the PFD. How can we overcome that? And a discussion and an open and frank discussion with all participants. Uh, some people are going to, you know, email back and say, Dad, don't wait, it's fine, it's cool, it's cool. And some people are going to come back and say, I'd really appreciate it if I could park next to you. Or I'd really appreciate it if I could park at the end of the car park and come over in my own time. Some people are going to have certain environments that trigger uh, past memories, perhaps. So open and frank. Also accept that some people lie. Uh, some people that will say, yeah, it's cool, it's okay, whatever, may not be. They may be masking it, uh, masking it there. As, you know, as a broad-speaking Yorkshireman that I am, I'm always going to say, yeah, things are cool, always. But obviously, a, a skilled provider will be able to ask questions and, and get answers should they need to. Yeah, of course. And I mean, I'm, I'm very much the same as you. If something's wrong, I'm going to just say, yeah, no, it's cool. It's OK, um, because I don't want to disrupt the group or the leader. And the, there will be times where the participants you're working with, you know them so well that you can know if something's wrong and it's there when you potentially have that, like you say, private conversation and try and move forward with them so that they can get back to the water, which will inevitably be good for their mental well-being. Um, so moving on a little bit, how, how can coaches and providers develop strategies for helping with specifically anxiety, stress, and any other feelings that people may have? And that could be COVID related. It could be returning to the water after a year. It could be just completely in general, a participant is struggling in life with some anxiety. And, and what is the strategy to, to help them with that? So I think if we have a strategy that we can flex with, uh, we, this strategy doesn't need to be written down anywhere. I don't believe. I don't believe it needs to be linear as a strategy. And one strategy for one person is not going to be the same as a strategy for the next. Uh, also, to call it strategy perhaps makes it sound more technical than it is. I think as providers, coaches, and as participants. Honesty is always going to be the best policy. As a provider, when you're briefing, whether you're briefing individually or in groups, please, please respect people's boundaries. It used to be the case that when we were briefing, we could make you know, hand gestures, maybe what we what we would call maybe a caring gesture. We pat somebody on the back for a job well done or a handshake. And those things now are no longer there uh, for obvious reasons. So we need to be, respect people's boundaries maybe a little bit more and have some time to just sit and think, as a provider, how would I feel if? So perhaps get a list of things that we've heard of as triggers or triggers to ourselves and just think about 
what would happen if so what would happen if uh, one of my participants doesn't want to join the group but wants to be part of the session how can i involve that participant what framework can i put in place that everyone enjoys nobody feels isolated nobody feels alone nobody feels hurt and see how it develops and it's amazing when we're on the water and boundaries slowly start to fade uh, people get off the water and uh, have developed a little bit or changed the way they are now one thing that's really important is we talk about what strategies in inverted commas we can use at the start of the session but how many of us do the follow-on phone calls we maybe do the the uh, the feedback forms after the course where people fill in the feedback or but how many of us make that phone call uh, or the email or we make a we make time in our day to speak to our participants and ask them how they really feel outside of the peer environment and how maybe we could change and adapt if they feel uncomfortable and that's really important what we have to understand i think is everybody that is returning to paddle sport whether it be a provider coaches guides participants people on the bank watching everybody is going to be above what we would normally class as baseline so pre-covid people would be getting on the water and their baseline may have slight agitation may have slight anxiety but that would be normal for them in that situation to get on the white water river or to get on a sea trip or to get on the first SUP trip, you're going to have slight apprehension, slight anxiety, uh, and slight discomfort above your baseline. Baseline being your, your sort of normal functioning. But people are going to be above that, same as providers, people that, especially if you've not had uh, any sort of work uh, in the, the arena for a long time, your agitation levels are going to be higher. It won't take long for a trigger to come, which could escalate up and you might get a, a greater anxiety, a greater agitation, and there'll be an out. And if, if that is not checked, then there will be an outburst. And we, and we, we see that in day-to-day -day life, I think, you know, how little niggles build and build and build, and people have an outburst because of little niggles. As providers, we need to be aware of those niggles, aware of our own niggles. I want to just use the word niggles because we all know what I'm talking about. Uh, I, I know our own sort of discomfort, perhaps, Perhaps even talking about mental health issues is uncomfortable for us as providers. And we don't like the subject. We don't necessarily understand the subject. So because of that, our agitation lifts. Uh, and we need to keep that we need to keep that in check. Also, after somebody escalates, if it goes that far, we keep it unchecked. How do we bring people back into the group? That can be really difficult. Uh, we don't want people leaving sessions after having maybe like a, a peak of anxiety or anger even feeling that they weren't supported getting in their cars and driving home and feeling that they've been let down by their provider or their peers or the situation they were in how can we develop individually because each coach is going to be different each provider is going to be different each participant is going to be different how can we deal with that and i think that's where the follow-up phone call comes in of a follow-up email yeah yeah no a hundred percent i agree and it is so easy to just leave the session and, and move on to the next one that's something that coaches in not just paddle sports but every sport um will do across sort of their, their coaching journey so 
one thing that I remember when I was younger is that I always looked up to my coaches um, and that was all the way through till when I was sort of 18, 19, still playing. Now, um, even as an adult, the coach is sort of a, a role model figure um, whenever you're participating. And so it's, it's a beautiful responsibility to have as a coach is, is having all of these people look up to you and, and look to you for advice. Um, but it's also a responsibility to make sure that these people are okay, that duty of care. Um, can you talk to me more about while as a coach, um, do you feel pressured at all to look after your participants in a, in a mental health capacity? I think as coaches and providers, uh, however, whatever name we put around that guide, coach, provider, we do have a safeguarding responsibility to the people on our sessions, whether it be a club session, whether it be uh, you know, a session for another provider. We, we do have that responsibility to look after people and not necessarily understand mental health issues to the fullest, but have an understanding of mental health and mental health issues. Some people, especially with mental health issues, uh, be more apparent as in COVID times and isolation and as we're coming out of lockdown and the numbers of people that are suffering from mental health issues. Uh, we shouldn't diminish it. It used to be uh, that people in, the, in communities and in peer groups would almost ridicule people that had mental health issues. And I think the, the, the fact that we say issues, uh, when we say mental health, we say mental health issues, like it's not normal, yeah, uh, stigmatizes a lot of people. So we, we just, I think people just need to be aware that there, there may be people in the group that are suffering or dealing with or living with whatever words we wish to use, things that we cannot see and we, we have not experienced. And just because uh, we have experienced maybe a similar or the same thing that triggers uh, somebody else doesn't mean to say that we will process it the same. Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, again, sort of you alluded to, they're a really good way of, of breaking down these barriers is to promote a, a healthy group culture of talking to each other and opening up and, and trying to break down those stigma barriers that are, if you say mental health issues is, is the word that's thrown around. It's, it's not an issue. It's something that people have to live with. And it's, it's something that's really not nice for a lot of people. Um, and, and yeah, that healthy group culture can really help with that. Open up uh, one of the things on the back of that, uh, is if somebody had a broken arm, we would know that, see that, and deal with that because yeah. it's because it's a visual thing. A broken arm. If somebody has uh, issues that we cannot see, whatever that may be, we tend to sort of shy away from dealing with it. We don't understand how to deal with it, perhaps. And this is where people need to pause. This is where people need time to reflect, and people need honesty and an open culture on it. Yeah, so um, just I completely agree with you, Darren. Um, just a quick one. So my previous question was about, do you feel that as a coach, there's pressure to deal with mental health and its pieces? So the coach may be anxious themselves about returning, mm -hmm. anxious about all the COVID protocols to, to follow and keeping their participants safe and making sure that they've got an enjoyable return to, to the water, return to play. 
how can a coach manage their own anxieties and, and mental health during this transition? Because it's not only their own that they're looking after, it's the participants as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a really interesting, really interesting question. And it's one that as coaches, providers, guides, whatever name we're going to use, we sort of run an autopilot a lot when we're running sessions because we just sort of know that this is how it works. But now that's not the case. And I think for a lot of providers, it's time to sit back again, pause, work out not just what participants require from the session, but what we require from the session. You know, just because there's a guideline that says if you're in outdoor space and you're over two meters, you don't need to wear a mask and, and this, that, and the other. If you feel comfortable about wearing one, wear one. You know, do what feels right for you, but not at the expense of other people feeling uncomfortable. I think it's time that as providers, we sit and we pause and rather than just think about what, like I say, what our participants want out of the session, what do we want out of the session? How will this affect us? What learning outcomes will we have? How will we develop after the session? Perhaps get a friend to check in with you after you've run your session. So, you know, the day before your session, you phone your friend, you say, I'm doing this session, maybe I'm a little uneasy. These are the points that I'm uneasy about run your session, check back in with your friend, or maybe another coach, maybe another provider, and then maybe have a debrief about it if you're working independently. If you're working uh, with other coaches and providers, check in with yourselves, uh, with each other. Maybe put it in your logbook if, you, if you're working with a logbook about how this feels, how each session differs, you know? Yeah, 100%, I think good coaching practices to reflect on sessions and and adding in how you feel is is definitely a good step forward rather than just thinking how the session went how how did you feel delivering the session did it feel good um, and, and moving forward in that return to the water after covid is something that's really important for coaches to consider because i mean nine times out of ten you have the best session in the world you've absolutely loved it it's been brilliant but the other one it feels like the loneliest job in the world when it's you um, and and the participants so moving onwards um for coaches and providers who don't have much experience with considering mental well-being how is the best way to educate yourself on the topic and why would you educate yourself on the topic i love that mental well-being so much better than issues yes a hundred percent so much better than issues love that ben yeah mental well-being love it love it let's take it out of the arena of paddle sport for a second. Yep. Right. And rephrase the question so that it reads, why should I have experience of mental health and well-being? Not as providers. Why should I? Well, actually, it's quite simple. You should, everyone should be aware of their own needs and wants, their own mental health checkup almost yeah. mental well-being checkup everyone should be aware of that we yeah. know that if we spend every meal of every day eating junk food we're going to feel like rubbish we know that we know that if we sit in front of the television drinking coke and drinking beer we're going to feel rubbish we know that you know yeah so i think as coaches and guys we can bring that in 
what do we already know about what makes us what makes us tick and we, we, we see this this is like pre-covid stuff but it is quite relevant we, we see it a lot with uh younger participants and uh especially school groups and young younger members of clubs where they go on a, a paddling trip for the day maybe they're excited and giggling and all they've done the night before maybe it's a, a canoe club a weekend away or an early start and all they've done is eaten Haribo sweets other sweets obviously available <laughs> <laughs> and they've, they've eaten sugary sweets they've had a load of energy drinks they're knocking back lucasade tablets like they're going out of fashion you know they're listening to loud music the heart rates are up and they're going to go on a sugar high and within an hour maybe something like that they all crash bang they're done they get grumpy, they get tired. And we see that quite a lot. We can use that example I've just given into a longer session post-COVID, how people interact when they're, when they're hungry. Because they're not going to be necessarily used to putting uh, dietary requirements in place because they're now going out for the first time to participate in their activities. Again, and they've sort of maybe need reminding of you're going to need to take food and hot drinks stopping for snacks as providers maybe we've forgotten because maybe we're a little bit more athletic and we forget that people do need to stop for snacks in sessions and some people maybe they're going to start feeling alone and lonely you know and we need to sort of bring all that back in so as individuals we need to be understanding of our sort of mental well-being checks personally how can we do that? How can we be sort of aware of our mental health and mental well-being? We can do it quite simply by the days that we walk around and think, you know, I didn't feel so good today on a, on a simple level. Go back through and, and look at what affected our days. Did we have any triggers that made us feel anxious? Did we personally have triggers that made us feel stressed? Did we have things that made us feel loved and cared for? One of my personal bugbears is when I in the in the days when you could share transport to rivers, because obviously that's a, a thing at the moment due to restrictions, but you get in somebody else's car and you're running a shuttle and they've got loud drum and bass music on with God knows how many beats per minute it is. You get out of that car, personally, I get out of that car already anxious. My heart's beating away. And I'm already anxious when I get out of that car. Similarly, if you're getting changed in car parks, because I've got car stereos on and the music, because music plays a massive factor in the way that our environments are set. So as providers, again, how can we look at the environment in which we're leading our sessions and how does this work? But also it's worth everyone, and I'm not just saying to providers and coaches here, you know, and guides and everybody on sessions to look at like, uh, courses, there's a lot of resources online. You know, there's the mind and calm resources. If you're feeling like you do need a lot of support with the uh, mental health issues and your mental mental well-being, please consult the NHS and the doctor. That's really important. There are places that you can get help if you need help. There are places where you can gain the skills and the knowledge to help others 
this this is not the conversation to have about how that works because it's going to be individual for everyone but i urge people to please 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 if you feel the need contact your doctor contact the nhs if you just want more knowledge you can get a base knowledge online you can buy books you can go on training courses and this is really important to everyone yeah i i, I couldn't agree more darren um one one place i massively recommend is the open university they have some amazing free courses online looking at understanding anxiety panic attacks depression ptsd the whole sort of spectrum of of people's mental well-being and it, it's, it's a really good place to start and try and delve deeper into it and it's it's quite a taboo subject sometimes um and it's, it's one of those things where we need to become more comfortable as not just providers leaders guys as a nation in opening up and talking about mental well-being and how important it is um, and, and like you alluded to it's important to um, to understand your feelings throughout the day whether it's a good day or a bad day um, it's equally important to note what works well for you in maintaining an equilibrium in your mental well-being maintaining that congruent balance that you're feeling grounded um, and, and, and enjoying what you're doing is, is really important to sort of take time um, and, and recognize that and, and yeah you're completely right it's so important that that people do take the time to learn more about mental well-being and open up to each other and we can then become much more connected as a nation um, and, and as paddle sports providers through that yeah yeah no so i mean darren thank you very much for your okay. time today like i say I've, i'm not saying that i'm an expert in this stuff i'm not saying that i know the answers what i'm saying is that we need as a as a community, as providers, we need to just maybe pause a little and see how people can get the best of our sessions and and just basically learn and develop our own skills to deal with issues that and well-being uh, protocols, strategies, if we're going to use words like that. Thank you very much for your time, then, Darren. Uh, it's, it's been, been absolute absolutely pleasure. amazing. Um, yeah, thank you very much. And as always, guys, make sure you're listening out for the next podcast. And they drop every other week unless there's a special like this. Thank you for listening.